thank you for joining us on the Therapy Cable podcast. What you're about to listen to are conversations and interviews on some of the most crucial and important topics in the behavioral and mental health space. It is our mission to help remove the stigmas attached to mental health, psychology, and addiction, one recording at a time. Welcome to Therapy Cable. I'm Dr. Isan Garajidaki and a clinical psychologist. Uh, I would like to dedicate this video and um, recommend uh, my viewers to actually watch another video that is related to what I'm doing here. This is a response video to uh, a, a ther therapist video that um, exists on, on YouTube by Katie Morda. Uh, she has done a great job on uh, bringing attention to attachment styles and why they are important to, um, for us to understand, and both in terms of uh, the linkage between early attachment styles and later uh, possible development of some mental health uh, problems. And, uh, and also what to do about these attachment styles. It is very important. So uh, I recommend for anyone who hasn't watched that video to go ahead and watch it. We'll put a link in our comment section or description section so you can uh, take a look at that video. It's about attachment styles by Katie Morden. And, uh, and uh, watch it in its entirety. There are three uh, pointers that I would like you to kind of maybe pause and then come back and see what we are talking about. So the first one that I really like the way she explained it is confusing uh, words, you know, uh, uh, we are going to use in, in the jargon of psychology, uh, kind of very unusual weird words that we use like insecure, avoidant, ambivalent, uh, preoccupied, all those types of fancy words that are um, uh, interesting but also at times confusing uh, you will notice that in the video and uh, in addition to that uh, I want to bring up a little bit of a scientific background uh, behind what she's talking about she's done a great uh, job in terms of getting attention to the main attachment styles and also uh, addressing the implication of those and uh, the need for our, our awareness however there is a little bit more to uh, more to that. Um, there are actually five attachment styles. Um, rightfully, uh, the story of uh, development of the attachment theory goes back to John Bowlby, uh, British psych uh, psychi psychiatrist, psychologist, and uh, uh, but then it developed from there into uh, more research that was followed by. Uh, Mary Ainsworth uh, that led to something called the uh, strange situation and an experiment that was done uh, with children at about uh, around one years of age who were put in a room uh, with their mothers and a playroom more or less where they could play with different toys and then 
they were introduced to a stranger, or vice versa, a stranger was introduced to them. The mother would leave the, the room for a uh, few minutes and then come back. And during that process and interaction of the infant with the stranger, uh, they observed how a person at that age uh, actually interacts with uh, with this type of a strange situation with a stranger in the room. Out of that study, uh, really a very interesting model about early attachment styles developed, which we are today talking about and also Katie Morden in her video is referring to. Uh, and I want to expand on that for you to really understand why we have actually five attachment styles and not four, and also, um, you know, what it really has to do with. Beyond the fact that um, it has been correctly stated in Katie Morden's uh, video uh, that the root of our understanding of attachment really goes back to the research of Bowlby uh, in terms of uh, indicating that human beings have a, a necessary survival need for attachment. So attachment is kind of ingrained and, and certainly it goes through stages uh, and gradually develops uh, into more of an enduring style. And that's where the word style comes from because the early attachment um, approach and um, learning that a, a child develops with the primary caregiver would then really determine uh, their approach toward many, many instances and events throughout their entire life, including how they relate to others in specific romantic relationships, including how they relate to important figures in their lives. It could be, uh, you know, to relating to co-workers, to employers, employees, people of significance, uh, role models, etc. And, um, and specifically how people may uh, react situationally at times of stress um, and kind of being overwhelmed by that attachment style where their reaction is determined subconsciously by that attachment style uh, without a person really knowing what is going on. So um, it has its root causes in the understanding of the research that will be really developed showing that infants do need attachment and do develop attachment as a survival value and uh, uh, and then kind of uh, live with it for the rest of their lives. But then the styles and the differentiation of styles actually um, evolved out of that experiment with the strange situation. Now, the, originally there were only four attachment styles uh, and later on, during uh, due to research, I believe at Berkeley, by uh, Mary Main and uh, uh, and Hess, Main and Hess, two researchers, a uh, actual couple, who have for years, maybe forty years uh, or more, have worked on the studies of attachment, early attachment, and adult attachment styles. They also discovered a fifth category which uh, is called the disorganized. So uh, let me just kind of go through this uh, very quickly on the surface. We have two major categories. One is an organized category. The other one is a disorganized category. The organized category consists of 
four styles. One is secure, the other three are insecure, uh, and then the disorganized category consists only of one style, which is the, the, the disorganized style. And uh, so let's kind of now go back to the root understanding of how did this even develop. In order to understand really attachment, we have to understand two dimensions really. One is a dimension of anxiety, and the other one is a dimension of approachability. So if you imagine an infant coming to this world, uh, you can imagine that as, as a newborn, we are full of anxiety, right? The whole world is unknown to us. It's a complete different environment from the safe, secure womb that uh, em enveloped us for nine months. And now we are in a completely different realm of, uh, of interaction, of, of feeling, like existing, uh, sensing. Uh, so, um, so it is. So the, the idea of anxiety is really a given phenomenon. You know, anxiety exists from uh, early on, and uh, it's part of our experience to really make sense of this whole world. Now, uh, that's why the dimension of anxiety is very important to understand that how does an infant actually resolve that anxiety then in relation with others. So that's where the whole attachment, the crux of the issue of attachment really relies on these two dimensions. So I'm going to draw that and we will also post a uh, diagram by, um, and we will uh, also give credit to that, that's not a diagram I have come up with, but it has is a prominent diagram that exists on you know uh, uh, public domain uh, that explains this further. But I'm going to start uh, drawing it out. So on the one dimension, we have that dimension of anxiety. So this is this is the first dimension. On the one end, we have low anxiety. On the higher end, we have high anxiety. So here we have low, and here we have high anxiety. And again, because attachment relates to a person's interaction with another caregiver, with another person, then we have the other, the second dimension, which is the dimension of, I would say, approachability. So, um, so this dimension is the dimension of approachability. I'm going to write it down in this way. So, approachability. And again, you will see it more clearly on the diagram. This dimension is approachability. A lot of times what you see, uh, and it's a little bit confusing too, that these diagrams, the second uh, axis, is actually labeled avoidance, uh, meaning more or less whether or not uh, a child, an infant, would avoid the caregiver. But I, I like, and at times it has been referred to as approachability, so I like to focus on that, that makes more sense. And then think about it, we have low and high approachability. So there is a high, low and high uh, approachability. And by approachability we mean, you know, uh, the, for instance, a high uh, approachability means that the caregiver is approachable and they're emotionally available. But the low approachability means that the caregiver is not approachable, they're not available emotionally. And therefore, if you superimpose this on the other diagrams that show that avoidance also makes sense because with a caregiver that is highly approachable and emotionally available, 
then the child doesn't avoid that caregiver but with a caregiver that is low on approachability and emotional availability uh, naturally we have uh, a child that avoids that caregiver but I want to get rid of that uh, confusing axis of avoidance let's focus on this because we want to really use that word avoidance in a much more clear and concise fashion so now let's go through this if a child experiences low anxiety and also experiences that the caregiver is approachable and uh, we, we put that together with lower anxiety uh, high approachability high emotional availability of the caregiver so an inner experience of I can I don't have to worry about anything this is safe this is secure which leads us to that concept of secure base where I can feel as an infant that there is this secure base that I'm acting and interacting that I'm covered and protected by then we develop a so-called secure attachment uh, so the secure attachment also has two components we already referred to that uh, one component as a secure base which means that you know uh, it's a as, as the word and the labels say it's a uh, it's a initiate initiatory uh, initial kind of a um, beginning ground like a ground zero that everything is safe, everything is fine. And as a result, due to that confidence and safety, I can actually go and explore the world. And when I, when I get too anxious, when I get too um, agitated perhaps or frightened, then I can go back to that secure base, which in this case we then relabel it as safe haven. Meaning uh, now after having experienced some autonomy, the infant can uh, go back to that secure base knowing that it is a safe haven I can go back to. So those are the two components simply based on proximity and, uh, and, uh, and kind of a start of an adventure or return after an adventure. Uh, in any case, these two components of this or these two states of dimensions lead to a secure attachment style where individuals then also, and that is what was um, observed in the strange situation experiment, that infants who generally have this composition of lower anxiety and higher uh, uh, approachability and, and, and approach toward a person, an adult who is approachable, who is emotionally available, they display this type of a secure attachment style not only with the primary caregivers but also with strangers so in that experiment for instance it was observed that if the mother leaves the room the infant would very equally in a secure fashion interact with the stranger their anxiety would not pop up uh, they would not feel frightened and um, and, you know, stop approaching the, uh, the, the, the stranger, but they would continue uh, w enacting their secure attachment style with the stranger as much as they did with their primary caregiver, or at least close enough if it is not exactly the same amount and intensity. Now, let's move on with the rest of the 
quadrants. So there are four quadrants, therefore four attachment styles within the organized category because, and that is the thing, uh, because we have these two dimensions, they are regarded as organized. So uh, with organization, what we mean is predictability. You know, because they are um, following and, uh, and compliant with a certain order of two dimensions of human functioning, they can, we can also predict things versus the other category that is disorganized, uh, we c it's no longer possible to actually predict the behavior and the attachment and reactions of that infant or an individual. That's the main differentiation. Here we have predictability due to the organization. The other category, we don't have predictability and reliability due to lack of the organization. So within this organized model and four attachment styles, we covered attachment style number one, secure attachment. Now the other three are regarded as insecure uh, within this organized category. The uh, uh, lower left quadrant, as we're looking at it, we have a low anxiety and then low approachability. So if you think about it, there is, um, there is a sense of you know, kind of a disengagement. Uh, I'm, a person is kind of low in anxiety. They, 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 uh, the infant is not really experiencing much anxiety, but also they are not uh, feeling like they can approach the, um, the caregiver. Uh, so in, in their opinion or in their sensation or experience, they, um, they have to avoid that person. They, they, they don't approach this individual because they, they may believe that this person is emotionally not available. So here basically we have that avoidant. That's where we get the avoidant um, uh, style, which is the insecure style. Now, if we follow that road, we have high anxiety uh, and low uh, approachability. So if we have high anxiety and low approachability, we have the um, more or less the uh, style of the uh, what is called ambivalent, if you will, uh, fearful avoidant. It could be the fearful avoidant. So this is the avoidant with low anxiety. This is avoidant with high anxiety. But both of these situations, the infant is avoiding the unavailable, emotionally unavailable caregiver. So, and, and these are exchangeable, I would say, interchangeable uh, terms due to the fact that more or less there is a distinction uh, between early child ad uh, attachment style and then adult attachment, attachment style. There are all kinds of terms and, you know, labels that are being thrown out there, especially also as these models have been developed over years, at least 30 years in uh, construction, and uh, therefore many different uh, labels have been used. So I don't want to really confuse you even further with throwing all these other labels. I want to just focus on the concept. So here I'm going to just write down the ambivalent uh, slash um, um, fearful avoidant and, and for the simpli simplicity purposes
both of these are avoidant. Why? Because of that really uh, low intensity of that dimension of approachability. Now, here we have a high uh, dimension, high intensity on the dimension of approachability. So if within that high level of approachability, a person has low anxiety, they have a secure attachment. Uh, however, if they don't, if they're high anxiety, they're highly anxious and want to approach the person and more or less become kind of glued to that caregiver, uh, become very clingy and they are inconsolable, we cannot really separate them. There is a lot of um, separation anxiety that exists here that is uncontrollable. Then we are really talking about that uh, sense of preoccupation, preoccupied, um, um, uh, stressed type of a child. So, um, and that is also insecure. So uh, what I'm gonna go through here is number one, is the secure number two, three, four, two, three, four are insecure uh, attachment styles. And uh, we'll also talk about how these uh, really uh, play out in stressful situations and relationships. And so this is this entire category is the organized category. Um, and uh, now, uh, let's talk a little bit about the implications of these styles in, the, uh, in relationships. When uh, children grow up and um, they actually engage with other individuals, we see, and especially in, uh, later on in romantic relationships and kind of intimate relationships, we see these attachment styles act out and uh, or reenacted, and it can have quite detrimental effects on uh, on the relationship and on the perception of the individuals. And that's the most important part of it. Um, I think in the uh, clip that I mentioned to you with Katie Morton, um, she does uh, relate some of these to certain disorders that develop, uh, such as oppositional defined, defined disorder and uh, conduct disorder, which is uh, what I would like to uh, suggest is that again, Due to Mary Main and Hess, Eric Hess, I believe, uh, research from Berkeley, they have actually found out that the conduct disorder and oppositional disorder, and actually antisocial uh, behavior, and 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 more, more, uh, the, I would say, the research they have done is based on a lot of um, uh, individuals who have been incarcerated. So the state uh, or status of incarceration, individual criminal behavior, actually has been linked to disorganized attachment styles. And again, the disorganized attachment styles are the ones that are all over the place. It's really impossible for us to record, uh, kind of predict and create any reliable way of, um, uh, of uh, of foreseeing how a person may react in a certain situation. And as a result, they tend to have a lot of problems, a lot of uh, serious problems in their lives without regard for consequences. And so we find a high uh, prevalence of disorganized attachment style with the conduct disorder and oppositional disorder and antisocial behavior and incarceration. Um, however, the rest of these, the 
the organized attachment styles have um, you know more or less correlation with the incarceration and more correlation with uh, perhaps uh, I would say mm, certainly mental health problems such as anxiety depression uh, perhaps some PTSD and um, and also some personality styles such as borderline personality uh, and or um, at times also avoidant uh, uh, dependent and and perhaps other uh, clusters as well but then um, as you may know there is very hard to establish causation there's a lot of correlation all over the place I don't really want to get into that because uh, I think what is most helpful uh, is to recognize the bigger picture here that generally attachment styles are affecting our interactions with people uh, rather than just labeling us or labeling these interactions so uh, I want to get into that part where uh, specifically this organized category and the insecure attachment styles are actually affecting the way individuals may uh, come across to one another and uh, without really knowing um, the, the root causes or the depth of what is going on in a person. To give you an example, we have a lot of times uh, couples who uh, display this type of paradoxical uh, you know, uh, opposite attachment styles. We have a lot of times uh, one person in the coupledom who comes in with highly anxious, the anxious preoccupied, that's this category, uh, anxious preoccupied attachment style, and they are uh, uh, coupled with someone kind of from the opposite category, usually from the uh, avoidant uh, attachment style, sometimes low anxiety, sometimes high anxiety. So it could be the uh, the fearful anxious, or uh, I'm sorry, the fearful avoidant, or it could be from the less fearful or fearless kind of um, uh, avoidant. And interestingly, what happens is that uh, within their presentations, uh, they, there's a very interesting dynamic that goes on between them, uh, which is uh, they first of all trigger each other, if you <laughs> think about it. Um, uh, that because and, and I will create another video on that where we go in depth. I don't want to go too much, spend too much time on that. I want to just dedicate another video. But you know, just on the surface, very quick um, markers of these types of a paradoxical uh, opposite uh, attachment style relationship is that the anxious person is highly, um, you know, kind of clingy. You know, they cannot calm down. Uh, by themselves, so what they do, just like we have seen in that strange situation, an infant uh, depending on an adult to regulate self-soothe and self-regulate this infant, because the child cannot. They haven't learned how, how to calm down themselves as much as a secure uh, child has, has learned that. So uh, that dependency and codependency on another individual to calm them down uh, is uh, obvious in adult relationships with that type of a combination that I mentioned where one side of the couple uh, is highly anxious, they cannot uh, settle down, they, they for instance get into these arguments and debates and you know long drawn conversations where they have to 
immediately arrive at a resolution or they are completely upset and um, and then that is where we at times see uh, perhaps those signs of uh, borderline personality where they may uh, end up uh, you know making rash judgments think black and white uh, uh, you know approach uh, life in very extreme all or none thinking so if they cannot settle and resolve this dispute then the whole relationship is over or has to be over and uh, they, they tend to gravitate toward a breakup uh, again because in their mind there is only one or two one of two ways one is either this codependent uh, soothing mechanism where they can only calm themselves down with the help of the partner and with the agreement of the partner and with the, you know, kind of being on the same uh, frequency. Uh, and if not, then the entire partnership is uh, a danger to them and they want to end that. Uh, and then at the same time, so that's a, that now this approach from the, the preoccupied style is actually a trigger for the avoidant because what happens is the avoidant styles what they have learned in order to manage their anxiety is that they tend to see um, interactions with individuals as source of conflict. So uh, avoidance, what they what they do is they look at uh, you know the situation that they're interact within which they're interacting with another person who is unapproachable as something that is kind of hopeless. You know, they, they think to themselves, why even engage? Why even go there uh, into this approachability when this other person is not approachable or uh, emotionally available? So it's not only uh, relationships, but certainly the core issue of it is that they believe that every relationship, every kind of a commotion, every disagreement, every type of a um, more or less um, um, mismatch of thoughts, ideas, of opinions is going to lead to a major conflict and therefore it's better not even to start with it. Now this person, the couple, in the couple, the other partner who has avoidant attachment style is triggered in, sen in the sense of you know this clinginess and this codependency coming from the other partner with this highly anxious preoccupied attachment need uh, uh, even further because you know um, that creates more anxiety that creates more uh, conflict that's going to create more opportunity for clashing and for friction and so it triggers them to go even deeper into their avoidant style so in, or in other words what you can observe is that their avoidant style is um, activated and you see this uh, this partner just kind of walk away, uh, despite knowing that their partner needs some soothing, some attention, some caring behaviors, uh, and that is what would calm them down. Despite knowing that their subconsciously their uh, attachment style is activated and pulls them away from this situation, it's kind of paradoxical. Because when you open this up and people start talking to each other, one person may say, well, what I need from you is to be there for me, where I can kind of lean on you, where I can, um, we can talk this further, we can 
uh, come to a resolution and the partner say, no, I don't want any of those things. That is danger to me. Now, they may not even articulate it. That's the other part that we see with that avoidant attachment style, that this person who is being activated, they are not usually not capable of actually articulating these uh, inner feelings and notions and, and obstacles. They're, so they just walk away. Now, like I mentioned, I will create another video, go a lot deeper into this. But this is one example where these attachment styles are kind of lifelong attachment styles that uh, unless they are treated, unless they are attended to, and more or less converted into a more secure attachment style, then they remain insecure. And research shows actually that through therapy, couples therapy, individual therapy, even without therapy, through experience of secure attachments, which would include room for self-differentiation, for room for acceptance and tolerance, room for um, skill building in terms of a person just learning how to self-regulate and uh, uh, self-soothe, and 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 witnessing what I'm sorry, witnessing what an uh, a secure way of interacting with others really looks like, then they could actually turn their insecure attachment style into a secure uh, way of relating, interrelating with others. Uh, the one um, last um, uh, topic that I would want to bring up is that, uh, and we will also create another attachment, uh, another um, video on that, is the linkage between how these attachment styles actually kind of overlap with personality styles and personality disorders. And it is difficult to um, uh, differentiate between these, you know, what part of the interaction, what part of the characteristic, the trait, the behavior as a person is kind of based on their attachment style. Is it the attachment style that is being activated regardless of their personality style and personality, perhaps personality disorder, or is it the personality style? Such as, let's say, if a person walks away from a conversation, is it because their avoidant attachment style is kicking in, or because it because they're simply so narcissistic that they may regard this communication and conversation beneath their value and beneath their class? And they may say, well, I don't need this, you know. It's more of an ego trip for them uh, versus being um, being uh, kind of threatened by the conflict. We will get into another uh, video on that. Thank you for watching our video. Uh, we appreciate it very much. And make sure you uh, watch Katie Morton's video on attachment side thoroughly from the beginning to end. It's a very informative video as well. And let us know if you would like to uh, see other videos, other topics. We'd be glad to create new ones. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Therapy Cable Podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcast provider. To view the entire videos of these episodes, visit us online at therapycable.com and send us an email about your thoughts and topic suggestions.